Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. This week, we get a couple more stories to help bring home more about alcoholism. But the stories this week are a little bit different. Uh, They're a little bit more complex, a little bit deeper. They go in and they kind of question that fine line between the heavy drinker and the alcoholic. What's the difference? Well, it's noted in the book that heavy drinkers are those that maybe during times when they're in the military or college, they may drink very heavily and look just like we do. But they then settle down, they get married, they have children, they stop drinking in that manner, and they just go on with their lives and become everyday social drinkers. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say even more about alcohol. You know, again, because of public education, many, many people are coming to us today before they have to lose everything. You know, sometimes you see people coming here that still got a job. Once in a while, they make it through the door and they're still married. Hell, I saw one come in the other day and he had an automobile. <laughs> and, and we start talking to those people about this insanity and they say, how can I be insane? Look here, I've got a job. I'm still married. I haven't lost anything. What do you mean I'm insane? We're not talking about those things. What we're talking about is one thing and one thing only. Can we or can we not see the truth? just before we take the first drink. Now we're going to look at one more example just before we go to lunch. This example is a guy named Fred. Fred's different than Jim. Jim had lost all. Jim didn't feel too good the day he got drunk. Fred hasn't lost anything. And Fred feels great. Yet he gets drunk just exactly like old Jim did. It seems as though we alcoholics, when we feel bad, we drink to feel better, and we feel good, we drink to feel better yet. We're insane in either case. Let's look at Fred's insanity. I made a 12-step call <clears throat> Thursday night and took this guy to a meeting, and he said, you know, Joe, said, I don't know if Alcoholics Anonymous can help me or not. I said, why is that? He said, well, I did something Saturday that I've never done before, and I said, what did you do? He said, I had three drinks before noon. I said, oh, my God, if you've had three drinks before noon, I don't know if AA can help you either. (laughs) You'd be on human aid. (laughs) One guy said he he was so bad he was drinking on the job. I said, well, that'll never work. (laughs) Okay, Fred. I like Fred. Fred's on top of the world. He's doing real well, making plenty of money. He's successful in all areas of his life. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, he has a fine home, he's happily married and the father of promising children of college age. He so has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it's Fred. To all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. Now, we first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he'd gone to, to recover from a bad case of the jitters. It was his first experience of this kind and he was much ashamed of it. Now, far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he had come to the hospital to rest his nerves. Now, we see lots of nerve resters in AA today, a whole bunch of them. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. Now, he made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so. 
in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. He would not take step one. Much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. If you can't take one, you can't take two. Now, we told him what we knew of alcoholism. We told him about the doctor's opinion, the physical allergy, the mental obsession. And he was interested and conceded he had some of the symptoms. <clears throat> but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that his, his humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. And we heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told us is most instructive, for here's a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment, determination, all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. Now let him tell you about it. He said, I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciate your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident it could not happen to me after what I learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other problems, and that I was therefore to be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. In other words, he was different. <laughs> now, in this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard a work of such a simple matter. His mind began to toy with him. He began to try to delude himself. One day I went to the Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I'd been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so there's nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew that my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. Remember old Jim was a little restless, a little irritable, and a little discontented, for a little guilt, shame, and remorse just before he took a drink. But old Fred here was on top of the world. Everything was good for Fred, making plenty of money. Business was good. Everything was wonderful. Not a cloud on the horizon. He said, I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind, it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails and go back to the hospital. <laughs> <clears throat> now that's the truth. But he couldn't drink on the truth at all. His mind said, it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. Now, based on this insane idea, he now makes a decision and takes some action. I ordered a cocktail in my meal, then I ordered another cocktail. Now we've got it inside ourselves. The physical allergy's taken over. After dinner, I decide to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed, so I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxicab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. 
This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. Now remember, Jim didn't feel too good. And Jim vaguely sensed he wasn't many too smart. Fred didn't even feel that. Fred just thought a couple of drinks with dinner would be great. That's all, nothing more. Now based on the insane idea, he took a drink, then the allergy took over, and then he ended up drunk. That's his real problem, the fact that he has a physical allergy to alcohol, or that he has a form of insanity that tells him it's okay to drink alcohol. The real problem centers in the mind rather than the body. Page 43, last paragraph. We've said all of this to say this. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Bill has absolutely convinced me in this chapter that because of my insanity, if I don't find the power greater than I am to restore me to sanity, I'll end up getting drunk again. In other words, if I don't have the vital spiritual experience, there's no way that I'm going to be able to stay sober and enjoy life. He has really shut the door and convinced me of what's going to happen to me if I don't have the spiritual experience. I never thought I was compelled to drink. I guess because I always drank. I never thought that I was being controlled to drink because I always drank. You know, when you do not take time away from something, you don't know whether you control it or it controls you. As I mentioned at the top, I thought I was a heavy drinker, and I probably was in my youth. I spent it uh, in the woods drinking, or, or on the wrong side of town drinking, or in the parking lot, or parking structure, or back alley. Yeah, I knew all the right places, met all the right people. But for me, what started out as a youthful way to be rebellious turned into a lifelong habit which turned into a disease, which means that now I will never be cured, but I get a daily reprieve because I have had the vital spiritual experience. And we will learn more about that next week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie podcast.